Welcome to the So She Is podcast. I am your host, Katie Neary, and this podcast is your one-stop shop for all things manifestation, neuroscience, spiritual evolution, and how to tap into your infinite potential and live a life beyond your wildest dreams. I know that you clicking play today is no accident, and I am so grateful for you being here. With that said, let's get this party started. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to So She Is. If you are new, welcome. If you are not new, welcome back. I am so grateful for each and every one of you pushing play today and for this episode and for our guest, Katie Cheadle. It is a great one. I had a blast just sitting down with her and getting to know her and her story more. And I'm so excited to share this episode with you guys. How are we doing? Before we jump in, you know, I just want to do a little quick temperature check. How's it going? Maybe ask your body right now. Take a breath. Just seeing how we're doing. You know, I am doing good today. I It's been a rough week in terms of sleep. So, and honestly, if you are having a rough sleep week, you are not alone because I, when I experience something that feels like energetics I always ask other people like how are you sleeping and a lot of people were struggling with sleep this week so it's not just you and you're not alone in this you never are alone in this but just know we're all on our sleep journey here but seems like we're on the men's and hopefully tonight it's an equally good night's sleep as it was last night and yeah, other than that, I feel like things are pretty good. We sent our wedding invites out, which is just so exciting. And I can't believe that we are about 80 days away from our wedding. That's just unbelievable. And I kind of like, I just want to like soak up every day before it and the day itself because I feel like it's just going to go by and then it's like, wait, this is like the biggest deal. And so I don't want to rush through any part of it. I had a beautiful bridal shower and soon there will be a bachelorette party and I am just so excited. So stay tuned for, I don't know any details of the bachelorette or like where we're going and so yeah, I'll let you guys know what I know and I am so excited about where things are with So We Are and with this, you know, holiday season, wedding season and like I have a bunch of weddings that I'm attending and they're out of state. So we are Silent Disco only has a few discos left this year. And I feel like this October season is the time to come. So if you have been itching or wanting or feeling the call to come, I would recommend coming to one of our October events. Our next event is this Sunday, October 16th. And It is the last event that is like $25 to $35 of the month. It's like our normal silent disco. That's just alone, us, beautiful magic. And then I am co-hosting another event on October 21st, which is a Friday in Costa Mesa at Herbiculture Studio. And it is the journey to the dark goddess within. So if you are craving to go a little bit deeper, to connect with some different parts of yourself, to tap into your body, tap into your sensuality, just all the things. It's going to be a magical night of embodiment and I would love if you joined and I'll put all these links in the show notes. And then our last event of October is October 23rd. It is the following Sunday and it is a silent disco normal. That's about an hour to 45 minutes or 45 minutes to an hour. And then it is going to be 45 minutes to an hour of sound healing and it's all on the beach. It's going to be beautiful. And if you haven't had a sound healing experience, I would totally recommend coming. We haven't done a collab like this, but I just can tell it's going to be freaking awesome. If you get your tickets early, it's $50. If you wait to the last minute, it will be $55. And I just cannot wait. If you listen to this episode and you decided to go, please come tell me. Please come say hi and be like, oh, I listened to So She Is and decided to come. So without further ado, today's guest is Katie Cheadle, and she is the Cal State Fullerton's softball teams performance and mental coach and 
I met her through that and through Curly, and then she came to a So We Are Silent Disco and is a local to Long Beach, and she's come to a couple, and so we've just kind of started to form this friendship, and I thought it would be so great to have her on to share her wisdom and her work and what she does. She is a therapist and has her master's in clinical psychology, and she also has her own private practice where she consults and works with Fortune 500 companies, startups, small businesses, sports teams, school districts, you name it, she's on it. And her goal is really to work with high-performing individuals that are looking to level up both their personal and professional lives. And she is going to dive into what that means to her, what that looks like to her. And I'm so excited for you guys to hear it. So without further ado, here is Katie Cheadle. Hello, Katie. Welcome to So She Is. I am so grateful to have you on today. I am so excited for the places we're going to go and dive into And yeah, I'd love to just start the episode by asking you who you are, who you've been, you know, who do you help? What are you here to do? Wherever you want to start with that question, just go for it. Katie, I'm so glad that our paths crossed like with softball and healing and we both have the name Katie, just so much overlap. So anyways, I'm, I'm grateful to be here. I am Katie Cheadle. I'm a therapist and a performance coach. I work with individuals and couples in my private practice. I work with teams and companies and different organizations trying to bring mindfulness and mental health to the workplace. I think that historically, um, and I'm sure we'll get into this, there's this, you know, been this idea around high performance and mental toughness. And there's this like suck it up, put your head down, grind mentality. And that's been really associated with getting results, whether it's financial results or athletic results or relational results. Like you have to like sacrifice and work really hard, which I think some of those are noble pursuits, but I'm really interested in bridging that gap and exploring ways that individuals and couples can cultivate emotional wellness and really nurture their mental health so that they can feel good while getting great results. And I think that is the work that I am here to do and the work that I'm so passionate about. That is so amazing. Yes. I am so happy our paths crossed too, because you are the Cal State Fullerton's performance coach or mental coach. I think that is that what they call you? Yeah. 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 Mental training coach. Yep. Yep. One time I said mental coach and someone was like, what? I was like, oh yeah. Like that's a thing. Like it's it's a mental coach, (laughs) but yes. And that's how we met. And then you ended up living in Long Beach and have come to So We Ours. And I love that we just have this connection now because here we are just going deeper. And so how did you get into this line of work? I think everything you said is so resonant. And we talk about that on this podcast, just all the things of like the hustle versus like trusting and the surrendering versus grinding. And there, it's not that you can't work hard and strive for greatness, but there's like, it's the energy behind which you do that. And so I'm just curious how you landed in discovering this balance or pursuing this balance and what that looks like to you. Yeah, I am. I always, when I get asked this question, I always think back to this book that my dad got me when I was in like fifth or sixth grade. And it's called thinking body, dancing mind. And, um, the sports psychologist that wrote it, he worked with like very high performing athletes, but there was like a softness to everything that he taught, even like in KDU and I both played softball in college, but it's like, even like when you're up to bat, you can have a mentality of like, like the pitcher is the enemy. And like, it's like really against, you know, we're, we're competing. He had this model where it's like, even imagining in that situation that the pitcher is working with you, you know, and like really like softening just this whole other, he just had a whole other way of being. And so that really like introduced me into like mindfulness and being present and the importance that our thoughts have on performance and the way that we can approach training. And so I got really into it at a young age and it's just funny playing travel ball and having a father like I did, we're getting like so many other messages of what performance is, but Mm -hmm. I, I had like this feeling or this calling or this like, yeah, this, I had a hunch that like, it didn't have to be that way. And I got really into reading everything I could get my hands on. And then um, I ended up after playing at Cal, I ended up taking the first job that was offered to me in corporate America. And it wasn't long, it was like six or seven years before I was like, 
I need to go back to like what is on my heart and on my soul. And I went back and got my master's in clinical psych and I, I started my practice. But yeah, I think Katie, it was just this knowing. And I think a lot of, I think a lot of us do know that there's another way. It doesn't have to be that way, but we don't really know how to how, we don't really know how to get there. And it's so counterculture, but yeah, that's, that's a little bit about my, how, you know, I kind of got to this path. Right. That, I mean, so many things you just said were like little golden nuggets and you know, what we're all conditioned to believe about success or what it looks like. And, um, even trusting what that inner knowing is like trusting our instincts are literally stripped away from us when we go to school and it's like no you eat at this time you do this at this time and I think that's so important to bring it back to that um now did you ever feel that you were different because you felt that way so I know when I was in corporate America and my spiritual journey kind of happened after college I was always open to it I was always listening I was always consuming and then I had a moment where it was like brought to my knees of like do I play a fifth year or not and then I got every single sign I asked for and so then I was like okay I'm then I should probably quit and then once I once I said I wasn't coming back for a fifth year I got like five job offers to every door opened up and I was like whoa if you like actually ask and receive like there's something here and um, I and I was open to that, but I remember in corporate America, I just wanted to be cool. <laughs> I, I mean, I always want to be liked. That's it's safe to be liked. And so I would never like I'd be like, oh yeah, like I'm I'm doing this 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 and this. But, like I would never say like, oh I got all these clients because I literally did some sort of ritual or like you know like I. <laughs> and so I didn't know if you've ever felt that way of being different or if you've always just been cool with your spirituality or how, what your spiritual journey has even looked like? Mm, yeah. I think from like a very young age, I was like a seeker. Like I, I felt God, spirit, universe, energy, insert, whatever resonates. Like I, I felt that. Um, and I was always like looking for something, Katie, like I don't, I was like looking for something, craving something like hungry for it. And it, I remember being at Cal and talking to my roommate at the time and we bought purpose-driven life. I don't, it's like a high, it's very religious and God oriented, but essentially like really connecting you to like what your purpose is and living with more intentionality. And I, I, yeah, it was comfortable talking to my teammates about it. Um, and then when I went to the corporate world, I think I just was looking around and I'm like, everyone is so stressed out and everyone is under so much pressure. And is anyone really present? And it, it, felt very much like athlete culture where like there's just this pressure and this grind and I, I think that's where I was like oh this is all the same <laughs> this is all totally. the same like like psychology performance psychology mental health mindfulness it all needs to be integrated in all these spaces um but I think my spiritual journey I love this question because I think my spiritual journey has been like highly personal for me and I think not until I get maybe closer with people? Do I really start talking about it more? And I think as I get more confident and with age, then I'm like more comfortable, like flying my freak flag and like putting it on social media and being like, think what you want. If I'm for it, if you're with me, you're with me. If you're not, you're not. And I also believe that with my clients, like, you know, the right clients will resonate with my message and other people who don't resonate will find a therapist or coach that works for them. But yeah, such a good question, Katie. I think it's been so personal for me, um, most of my path. And then more recently, I'm more comfortable maybe talking about it and being open with it. Yeah. Do you have any like come to your knees moment or is it just that, that you had that secret energy and then you just followed the breadcrumbs of where that led you? Yeah, I think, um, I think I've had like a couple come to your knees moment, like, um, yeah, growing up, my parents had like a pretty, uh, pretty challenging relationship with each other. And I remember when my mom left my dad, I was actually in college at Cal. And I remember like both of them really like leaning to me. And I remember there being like so many financial hardships and I'm the oldest um, of my brother. I have two younger brothers and like everyone just felt so lost. And I remember that was really like a come to your knees moment of like, God, like, please, I need strength. I have to believe in something outside of this totally. human experience, or I don't know how I'm going to make it. 
Um, I had a miscarriage in like 2015, which really impacted my mental health. And I had to believe in something outside of myself at that time. It was right before I went to go get my master's in psychology. So I was also in a job that I was miserable at. And I'm like, how could I like be so excited about being pregnant and then lose the baby and be in this job that like life felt so dark. Um, and then I think maybe the third sort of moment, like definitely dark night of the soul was my divorce, um, which was in 2019. And I had been with this man who is the father of my child and he's an amazing dad. Um, but, you know, we had been together since we were, you know, at Cal. So it was a 13 year relationship and I hadn't been on my own. And so to like move out of our home and to like live by myself and to split time with our daughter, it was just all these moments. And I had just started my private practice and I didn't know if I was going to be successful. It was just like so much fear and I had to lean into it. And I, you use this word at the beginning of this chat, just surrender and like really trust. Yeah. Those are, that is like all those moments seem like, yeah, I could only imagine. And maybe some people are going through that right now as well, or something to their own extent of it. What would like your one piece of advice for someone who is just like, what the hell is going on be like everything they know is being stripped from them. And obviously from a higher perspective or from a 2020, like a hindsight perspective, you can see how everything probably unfolded exactly as it should and works out even better than you could have imagined. But I know in those moments, it is like just pain that you can't even describe. So what would your advice be to someone who is experiencing that right now? Yeah, I think like anytime it gets really, really dark or your world's crashing down, um, I think one thing that like makes me smile a little bit, even thinking it is like the lights always around the corner. Like it's never uh, life, the flow of life. It's never, it's the darker it gets. I just know there's light around the corner and anytime where like my sense of self has come like who everything I thought I knew isn't here anymore. It's like, now I kind of get excited because I'm like, oh, it's blank canvas time. Like, how do you want to step into this? And I think if you can reframe, reframe it, you know, those moments where you feel so overwhelmed, you're wondering like, who the hell am I? What's going to happen? This, this can't be my life. It's really like an opportunity to create <laughs> the life mm -hmm. that you want to create the way that you want to be in the world. And, and I've seen this with so many clients that sit before me and I've seen this on my own journey. Um, the light, whenever it's dark, the light's always around the corner and we can like, I don't know, we're, we are alchemists, you know this, like we can like anytime, like the world's on fire, like we, we rise. And that's, I think that's like exciting when you can, when you can orient that way. I couldn't agree mm -hmm. more. And so I kind of want to go back when you said, you talked about like, you know, the workplace and anxiety and the stress. And I know you've talked a lot about performance anxiety, and I really think performance anxiety is so much more than just showing up on the, like any in the sports world. I think that performance anxiety shows up in how you show up in everything. <laughs> and so did you deal, we'll start with you and then we'll go to everybody else. Did you deal with any form of performance anxiety? Like, is this your own battle that you now feel like you've conquered so then you can share? Or is it something you're just passionate about? Like what's your relationship to personal or to um, performance anxiety and how have you like navigated it? Cause I am someone who had it bad. And so I'm like, what was it? Cause I like, is it you? I think it's unique to everybody and how they experience and interpret it. And I don't know. I feel like no one probably had my same experience, but that's because like, you know, your ego always thinks you're alone, but, <laughs> but everyone has different symptoms, sensations, thoughts of how it goes. So I'm just so curious about it. Yeah. I think when I look back at my path, I never felt, um, when I was playing in college or getting recruited or even showing up for like work presentations, I never felt like I had performance anxiety. I was really interested in like performance psychology of how I can channel my thoughts to get better results. And like those moments where I fail, how can I bounce back quicker? That was kind of my own personal journey, but I love that you mentioned performance anxiety is more than sports 
and workplace presentations. And it wasn't until later on my journey that I realized like I am performative. <laughs> and even going to your event, Katie is so liberating for me, like going to silent disco because there are so many past versions of myself that would want to look cool dancing because I'm performing instead of just like being free and in your body. And I think sex historically had been performative instead of like just really being in my body and having an experience. And so I think like this idea of like performing in relation to mental health, I think is huge and such an interesting conversation because you know, you mentioned earlier, like we want to be liked and we want, we want to fit. And so we become super anxious about performing in all these other settings, which aren't necessarily thought about typically as like <laughs> performance anxiety, anxiety in like the, the, the typical sense, but yeah, it shows up, I think all the time. Yeah. That is so funny. Cause I recently had this revelation, um, that my family is in the entertainment business. They own their own entertainment company and all that. And I was recently talking about the passing of my grandpa and how it was just brushed off almost because like the show must go on because it was Christmas. And then I realized everyone in my life is a performer. And then I realized like how I'm performing. And I've been very passionate about this. I'm so glad you brought up the way we, we perform. And even at the disco, like, almost like you're performing for the other people or for the strangers or for yourself. Like, oh, I look sexy right now, right? Or I look, oh, I look like I have rhythm, right? Like there's so many ways we perform. So with you in your personal life or in the people you work with life, where do you see this performing happen the most? Mm -hmm. And how does someone even get the awareness? Because I am now so aware of my performing that I am like not disturbed, but I'm like, it takes me back to the beginning of who am, who am I? Because I literally have just been performing to be the version of myself that I want you to perceive me as. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. 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 I think that like, based on our history and what we value, it shows up in different places for different people. So if typically like my experiences were, you know, a lot of mean girls in school, then typically like around women, I'm going to like really want to fit in and make sure that I'm liked. If I, you know, was always rejected by the opposite sex and I might try and be the way that I think the guy that I'm on the date with tonight wants me to be instead of like, do I even like him? I might be so focused on like, does he like me? I think it can show up in a million different ways. If you were made fun of for public speaking, that maybe before presentation, you would have a lot of performance anxiety. So I think awareness, you use that word. I think that's always the juice in our healing <laughs> is being aware. But I think for me, it's, it's really the awareness of knowing when I get insecure, when I get triggered, when I get anxious and having compassion for that part of myself, but then being really intentional about how I want to enter the space, um, which for me is always like present and open-hearted. And I think we talk about this with the athletes and even the, the girls at Fullerton of like, when we're so hyper-focused on ourselves, like, of course, we're going to be anxious and we're going to, we're just so we're so in our own head, we can't perform, we can't be a good teammate. And I think there's something really powerful about like just open-hearted and being intentional about the energy you wanna bring into spaces. And I, I've noticed when I go to a party or a gathering where maybe I would be, I would want everyone to think that I'm smart and funny and personable and you know all the things. I think when I really just focus on listening and being curious about others' experiences. And I get out of my head and get so like into like the people that I'm around. I think those end up being like the most beautiful experiences and my anxiety goes so down because then it's just about connection and love and like, ooh, where's the night gonna take us instead of, I hope they think this about me. And that, that's hard and that takes a lot of growth. And again, your word, Katie, like awareness. Hmm. Yeah, so would you, if someone came to you wanting to work on this, what would your piece of advice be? Like if they were like, can you give me one exercise to just really either chill my nerves? Because I feel like if you're anxious about what they think about you, you're probably going to perform. So I feel like let's talk about the anxiety or like, what would your practice be? If someone comes like, I feel really anxious when I'm about to do this, whatever that is. Um, what would, what, what's one thing I could take to do before I start or whatever, you know? Uh, yeah, I think like 
one behavioral tactic here would be if you do have the awareness of knowing where this came from is like take that deep breath and like give whatever age that person was where this first became a thing, like give them like a hug or send them love or just breathe into that part of you that feels tense and anxious and just slow it down. I would, if you have that awareness. And I think if you're like, I don't even know why I'm nervous about this. You don't have the awareness or maybe you haven't done the inner child work or you haven't explored that. I would say set an intention of how you want to be. And it needs to be like the part of, what do you love about yourself? Like, screw if Katie likes me, like, how do you want to show up? Like, what do you love about yourself? And then magnify that. Cause I think that's part of the journey too, of just like really falling in love with yourself um, and knowing you're worthy. And so I think if you can identify like tonight, I'm going to go to this thing and I'm going to laugh because I love laughing and I'm happiest when I laugh. And then that'd be my only intention. I think it totally it shifts your mindset and your anxiety again, just starts to dissipate. I really love that. I really love setting the intention and showing up as that. Cause even if like, cause when you're anxious, you are thinking only about yourself for the most part and all the ways that you can make it go wrong. At least that's my personal experience. But, um, I feel like if you set the intention, you can still think about yourself. You can still take the energy of, I'm aware of every single thing that's going on, but I'm going to be aware that I am showing up as love as fill in the blank. Yeah. And I love that. And so I'm just curious when you work with companies or teams, cause I know you do both. What are some themes that show up in that environment in a successful workplace and a not successful workplace? And I don't mean even, even like successful as in like money or wins. I mean, successful in like the culture. Cause I feel yeah. like that's what you're here to do more than anything is to, cause a good culture is going to get you the results you want to get. Like, you know, so how does, what are some themes that you recognize in, we can go with successful first and then not successful or vice versa. Yeah. I think that, um, one thing I've been kind of thinking about is teams and organizations that bring someone like me in, they're already obviously value this type of work. So typically I I find myself when I'm hired pleasantly surprised with most of the cultures that I've gotten to work with and the teams that I've gotten to work with. And there's like an open-mindedness and an understanding to like, okay, we have to take care of people's mental health and emotional well-being because not only will that help, you know, our our bottom line, we are going to be more successful if we do this. Our people are going to be happier, more engaged. They're going to stay here and they're going to want to work here. Right. Um, I think where I rub up against like the most resistance, Katie, I think is um, the slowdown. Like, I think people have a really hard time with like the idea of like, oh, I, I could take time during my day and go on a walk and get centered, or I can take 20 minutes before the meeting and like take some deep breaths and set my intention for the day, or maybe at the beginning of every meeting for our company, we take three minutes and get grounded. I think there is still this like undoing that needs to happen in corporate America. Um, uh, you know, there's just this idea of like, we have to be super productive. Let's maximize every second. Like let's this rigid schedule. And sometimes I think mindfulness practices and the pause can be seen. I don't want to say seen as silly because I think they understand the science behind it. And I think they understand why it's part of the conversation, but I still think it's, difficult for a lot of companies and leaders to integrate because it feels like a step back, even though they know it will end up propelling them forward. I, 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 I really sense that as being one of the most difficult things I come up against. I'm just curious because you said the word mindfulness. I sort of feel like that word's been like pounded into the ground and has different, um, meanings, like interpretations of what it means versus like what it actually means. Do you feel like you see that ever? Or like, do you see like eye rolls to mindfulness? Um, and if so, how do you, how would you rephrase it or reword what it is? Yeah. I think, I think what resonates with me is just being present. And I think from a performance perspective, everyone knows that we're going to perform better if we're present. Like I don't, if I made an error in college or I had a shitty at bat, it was because my head was probably somewhere else. Like I was like not present. And I think the same thing with work, like presentations and sessions that go really well. I'm so in the flow and so in the moment. And so I think when I do sense 
that eye roll or like, oh my God, we've been hearing about mindfulness. What the heck is it? And I also think a lot of people think mindfulness is meditation, which is not the same. I think like really using the word presence is helpful. I love, I love that you um, mentioned that because that is absolutely a thing in the workplace for sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I just, it's kind of, I, on my last podcast, we talked about the word trigger or like boundaries and how those are kind of like overused to a point of eye roll. And so I just love that clarification. So thank you for that. Yeah. And Katie, I, oh my God, going back to trigger one of in my mindfulness group that I run, um, there was a woman in the group who's like, I hate the word trigger. And I'm like, okay. And she's like, it triggers me. And I was like, what word should we use in its place? And she really liked the word activate. And I love that. So like now I never use trigger. I'm like, it really activated me when that happened. And that, I mean, that's like such, I love saying activated and for all the words, like even if it's positive activate, negative activate, like, cause it yeah. really is a sensation that you can relate to versus trigger sounds like, yeah. Like it just sounds yeah. like an eye roll almost. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I am curious about what it means to you to level up. I saw level up in a lot of your messaging and things of that nature. And I also know that you use the Eastern philosophies and Western philosophies. And so sometimes like um, that more masculine language of like leveling up or just like the masculine energy of sports or corporate America, like you're dealing with a lot of masculine energy in what you do. So I am curious because we all know like the feminine energy that not boy, girl, but just like the feminine energy of flow and of presence and of surrender and of trust is basically what you're doing. So I'm so curious how you blend the two and present the two and how you see that fit. Oh, I love this. Cause this is like the space I want to exist in this space till the day that I die. I like, I'm obsessed with this area. Um, when I think of leveling up and the reason that I choose that phrase um, is because I want to break this idea of something has to be wrong with me. I have to be struggling. I have to be in a dark place in order to work with the coach, work with the therapist, bring a mental training coach into our organization. Nothing has to be wrong. Like everything could be, you could be killing it. And I believe there's always room to level up to sharpen, sharpen the iron a little bit. And so, um, and I see that a lot again, like not to stereotype, but I do see that a lot with men is there's this idea of something like, you know, for them to come and do, do the work, there has to be something wrong. And so I, I, I really want to change that narrative. Um, nothing has to be wrong and you can still work with someone. Um, when it comes to integrating some of the Eastern practices, I think that's where, you know, what we were just talking about of where I do find that I rub up against some resistance because slowing down, being intentional, checking in with your intuition, taking a break after 50 minutes, because research tells us that if we want to be in flow, we don't need to push pack past the 50 minute mark. You know, all these things are more of like an Eastern idea, more of our feminine energy of slowing down and trusting. And I think that is where it's, it's more difficult to get buy-in. I'm also super passionate about performance psychology and the ways that we can enhance our focus. And then when we do fail, because failure is inevitable in sports and in business, like how we can address our inner critic and how we can use positive affirmations to pull up our bootstraps and keep pushing. And I think that's like a really interesting dance of like, yes, I have compassion for myself when I fail, when I mess up, when I fall. And yes, sometimes I have to take a slow, like slow down, take a deep breath, find my inner voice. But then I got, I got, you know, because I'm here to achieve things and I'm here to do things and I'm here to inspire people. And I think that's a dance that a lot of leaders are in right now um, that are open to this type of work. And I think companies are trying to embrace both ends, um, which I think in therapy, you know, always shows up the both ends. Um, but yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun space, Katie. Yeah, I bet. And <clears throat> just speaking about companies and stuff, we have, I feel like a lot of like my listeners are either like entrepreneurs or very like entrepreneurial curious, like wanting to maybe dip their toes in something. I know that's what I've done. And so 
I am just curious from like for your experience and as a fellow entrepreneur who started their own private practice, how has that journey been for you? And what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned in doing this? Uh, yeah, I, my inner work is always around, which is probably also why I'm drawn so much to the work that, that you do. And I enjoyed going to the silent disco so much. Like I am my autopilot, my default mode is in the masculine. Like go, 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 push yourself, like suck it up, Katie. Like, well, everyone's sleeping. You're still working. Like that has been so deeply ingrained with me. It's always, there's something to earn, something to win. And so the undoing and the mindfulness practice and what I teach, I I believe we teach what we need to learn always, (laughs) but I think like what, yeah, I think, um, yeah, what I, what I teach is absolutely what I'm constantly have to remind myself to integrate into my business. And there have been so many times where I've pushed myself and have been depleted. And then like, I'll go in to a meeting with God, my business partner and I, we, at one point were laughing. He was so annoying to me. Like I was, because I, I had, I wasn't taking care of myself. So I had no space for like him, you know, or any compassion. I'm like, oh my gosh, Katie, like you need to take care of yourself or like close the laptop earlier at night or set some boundaries with yourself. So then you can show up and collaborate better and have more patience with others. And so I think like my biggest downfall, Katie, in building my business has just been pushing myself so far where then I don't have anything to give. And especially during COVID, um, people were going through so much and I was holding space for my clients. But meanwhile, I'm like, I don't have, I don't know what's going on. Like, this is so scary for me. And it was like such a call to action for me to like get back into therapy myself and to like make sure that I have a self-care regimen and that I'm like really prioritizing that. Anytime I've gotten off track, that's, that's, that's what's gone awry is I have forgotten to, to care for myself. And I just put like all my energy into building the business. I can only imagine what that was like being a therapist in COVID. Could you just like go there for a second? Because I think that's something that we so often like salute the doctors, nurses, the front frontliners. And yeah. I feel like therapists were maybe left out because y- there's no way you knew what was happening, but somehow you are you were holding space for probably people just panicked. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for saying that, Katie. I am. Um, I had never been in sessions with people before where like my eyes watered and there've been times where you're so touched by someone's vulnerability or their suffering. And, you know, you're just so present with someone's pain in a session where like you really allow yourself to feel, but there were multiple times, um, during COVID where like a tear would be going down my eyes. And it was like, not just because of my client's experience. It's because like, we have this shared experience of not knowing and feeling so isolated and so scared. And like, this isn't what we signed up for. This isn't what we're used to. And, and, you know, in, in classical um, therapy training, we're really supposed to be as therapists, like this blank canvas, so that the experience is like all your clients, right? Like I, I, I remember in my first internship, I got some feedback about my social media and how my Instagram is open and my clients can follow me and they might know that I have a daughter and they might know that I, you know, do X, Y, Z. And I'm like, I'm okay with like, I am a whole person. I think it's like very outdated um, to, to try and pretend that we're not, but I just felt this like deep human connection with my clients during that time. And it was so heavy because I think, and I, you know, when I go to my therapist, you look for comfort and validation and affirmation. And sometimes you look for guidance or advice, or just like, it's going to be okay. And in that season, Katie, it was so difficult to provide that because I, I, we didn't know what we were dealing with and I didn't know if it was going to be okay. And I think there's some power in like both myself and the client being like, we don't know, like, but we're in it together. And and there's something beautiful and healing in that, but it was a hard, hard season, heavy, so heavy. Has it lightened up? 
Yeah, yeah. I think just as the world's opened up and people have kind of gotten their flow back and are doing things, it does feel lighter. But I'm not sure, like, I don't, I don't know. I think there's still a residual effect that I'm still experiencing with clients. And some people, it seems like they're back to business as usual. Some people, I think it feels like they've changed and things will never be the same. I know from a business perspective, that's changed because we're doing so much over Zoom now, which before that it was 100% in person. Mm -hmm. Now it's like 95% Zoom. And so that's really shifting and you're an energy person too. So like not really being able to like connect like energetically with someone is difficult. Like it's hard to pick up on your eyes watering or like there's a heaviness to you when you're, you know, over a computer screen. So I think from a business perspective, that shifted a lot as well. Yeah, totally. I'm curious from an energy standpoint and being a therapist, uh, sometimes I find myself very sensitive, very sensitive to if I were, if someone's talking to me and expressing something that they're going through, I too will feel it. Maybe not cry, but like um, one time my fiance Curly was going through a very heavy season and I didn't realize it until a week later that I was like, well, not like, um, I was just having so, like such aggressive thought patterns that like weren't mine, but they were just like so miserable. Like, so like, I want, I just like hate everything. Like I want to start fresh. Like I wish I could run away, but then we had a conversation and Curly used that language. And I was like, oh my God, I am like feeling everything you are feeling, but these are not mine. But I'm literally questioning why I'm thinking all these things when I'm literally fine. And so I'm just curious from your standpoint, I know with So We Are, I have my own things I do to protect my energy. I'm curious how you go about protecting your energy, maybe not absorbing all the heaviness. I'm sure in COVID that was like impossible, but <laughs> just in general, what's like energy advice you have to people who maybe feel highly sensitive? Yeah. Oh, so, so good. I think one thing that I've learned, and this kind of goes back to, I guess, my spiritual practice is when I'm done with the client of just really giving it up to God or the universe. Um, because I used to really like think about them all the time afterwards of like, oh, I hope that's going okay. Or, oh, I wonder how this went with them. And oh, I hope you know, he or she makes a good decision this weekend with whatever, like I would worry and it would be very consuming. And so there's something really beautiful, like afterwards when we log off or after if I'm in the office of just like really taking a deep breath and then like giving it up to God or to the universe and just know that I will see them next week or in two weeks, whatever our flow is. And I kind of do the same thing before each session to Katie of like God, spirit, universe, like please use me as a channel and like, allow me to just trust whatever comes through me. Cause I think sometimes as therapists and as coaches, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to have the right words and to know when to push and know when to be curious and know when to ask questions. And, oh, remember to tell this person this, you know, that you researched over the weekend and you think there's something just really, again, beautiful. And this is feminine energy. Again, I'm just being intuitive and trusting that the right words and the right questions and the right flow are going to just work its way into the room. And so when I trust God to work through me in session and I trust God to take care of my clients after session, that feels really, really empowering to me. Yeah, I love that. And I do do something similar. And I think anyone could actually take that practice to anything they do, like literally anything. It could just be just hands up. Like I know, uh, I forgot the girl who, uh, wrote eat, pray, love Liz, something Gilbert, Gilbert. Liz Gilbert. Gilbert. She always said like, she would say like, all right, God, like you do this meeting for me. I can't. All right, God, you do this for me. I literally can't. And she would just go about doing things in that way. And I remember I was like, wow, like, while that feel that could feel like giving up to some people that feels like absolute freedom. Like, well, it's not all on me. <laughs> like, it's just like leaning on the resources we have. Um, so I had the opportunity to meet your beautiful daughter, Logan. And I don't know why I, 
I mean, Curly and I will have to plan a pregnancy. Like it's not like an accident could happen, but I have been consuming a lot of parenting. I feel like the people I listen to, like the podcasts are all going through a motherhood stage. And so I have just been consuming this like conscious parenting, all sorts of things. And I'm just fascinated about parenting right now. And so I'd love to know how parenting has been for you and your journey of being now a single parent slash split co-parent and what that looks like. Yeah. Uh, Logan is like the best spiritual teacher. And I think that, um, it's like such a dance again of just like the let go and like the trusting, um, again, that you don't have to do everything perfect and right. And you don't have to hover over them every moment. And she's like her separate own being, but then it's our job to really like nourish their soul and like facilitate the space for her to be the most Logan Logan that there is. Uh, But I think there's so much pressure. I remember like being pregnant and reading all the books and I have so many, I am not a type A person. I have so many type A girlfriends and they were like, just doing so much more research than I was and having like their kids whole life felt planned out and I don't operate that way. And then there was like this guilt or the shame of like, am I doing enough? And it taps on whatever wounds you may have, whatever insecurities you may have. I remember this one time at Target, like Logan had a tantrum, was like throwing herself on the ground. And like, I was like embarrassed, like, oh my, but it's like, that's, she's doing what two-year-olds do. And that's her experience. And I'm just there to love her. Like Logan, no, you're not getting a cake pop, babe. All right. Are you done? Like, we're going to walk to the car. Are we going to do this? But it's so, it's so hard because yeah, it's, it's, it's an extension of you, but yet it's completely this separate being. And so I find the most peace and I find that Logan and I connect on the deepest levels. And I find there's the most love in our home when I'm like, my job is just to facilitate an environment where Logan's soul can be in its fullest expression. And that is fierce. That is a girl that does not always listen. That is someone that goes a hundred miles per an hour. Like Logan is her own being. And I think when I try and like reel it in and try and control it doesn't, it doesn't go well. And so I, I really try and just love her and be present with her as much as I can. And I think her dad really adopts a similar mindset. And, and we, we talk a lot about her and it's just, man, it is, I'm rambling now, Katie, but it's like just the most insane journey because you're learning and growing right there with them, you know, um, it's, it's wild. Yeah, I can only imagine. And I mean, you met my niece, Bella. She has been, God, like I can only imagine having a kids like in in the positive way. Like, I feel like Bella has just like re like ignited the inner, like just like helped with the inner child healing, helps me reparent, helps me see her in like a way that like I know like when I was going to quit my job, it was like, okay, if Bella came to me with this situation, what would I do? And then it's like, well, I would tell her to just like go for it. Then it's like, okay, well, why wouldn't I do that for myself? I know similarly, like sometimes when we talk about making decisions about getting pregnant, like, oh, if I was pregnant, like I wouldn't do that. Or if I, oh, I, and then it's like, okay, well, why would we do that if we were like it for ourselves? And I feel like that just I can only imagine being a mom and having that journey. It's probably just like, and I love how you said it's an extension of you. It's not you because it's so easy to be embarrassed, even as an aunt, like, just like you want them to be the best. You want the absolute best. And you could so co-mesh with them and make their experience yours. Um, But that's just beautiful that it's like, yeah, just be my extension. I'm here to love you. I'm here to make sure you're safe, like hold the space for you, but. I absolutely love what you said. And they have eyes on us like all the time. I mean, Logan the other day was like, mom, you're still on your phone. And she's four. And I was like, oh my God. Like they, it's, I mean, it's a mirror. (laughs) I mean, I know all our relationships are, but like, that is like such a mirror. Like when she really starts kind of losing it, it's, I think it's such a call for me to like attune more to her and to connect more with her. And I think like, she told me the other day that I was on my phone. I'm like, 
you're absolutely right. Like I can do that later. And like, I put my phone up and I'm just like present with her, but man, it's, um, oh, it's, it's, I think I'm in for a wild ride. I'm like figuring it out as I go, but definitely more love than I have ever experienced ever. <laughs> I know when they, the call outs, they're just brutally the true. Like, <laughs> wow, you're right. Like I was on my phone or just all the little things they say. I'm like, wait, you were listening. Like, that's the thing too. They're always listening. Right. <laughs> It's like right. they're their own person. Oh, for sure. So for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, where, before I ask the last question of the day, where can people find you, work with you and who would be your ideal client? Yeah, I'm mostly on Instagram. So at Katie Cheadle and my website is um, katiecheadle.com. So easy enough with that. Um, my ideal client is that individual that is looking for more that wants to level up, that wants to start their entrepreneurial journey, but isn't sure how, or they're feeling scared or someone who's already doing their journey, but it's like, wants to understand what's blocking them from really like stepping, stepping into like their, you know, most expansive and most limitless self uh, companies that are conscious and are looking to really nourish mental and emotional well-being for their people. And then, and then athletes, I, I absolutely love working with athletes. And I think that's definitely a big part of my path. So any, any, anyone that fits into those boxes, you're my people. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I am sure. And I hope all of you go check out her Instagram and give her a follow and reach out if it feels aligned. And the last question that I ask everybody is what advice do you need to give to yourself right now? Remind, I think I need a constant reminder right now that it's not about winning or losing. It's about alignment and fit. And I think sometimes as an ex-athlete and someone who has been a high achiever, it can be about winning. And sometimes when things don't work out, <laughs> it's not necessarily an L. And I think that when things don't go to plan, sometimes I really view it or have viewed it historically as like taking an L. And so I have worked so hard and fought for things to work out, even when it doesn't feel right, or it's like, I see it's not working. And so I think really, yeah, I would give myself the advice of like, Katie, it's not about winning or losing. It's about alignment and flow um, and making sure things like feel really good in your life. I love that. I'm going to take that advice too, because <laughs> I, it's so easy to forget that. And yeah truthfully alignment is where like it's like the l's like temper like rejections like redirection so it's like okay we're just going in the right way okay. well thank you so much katie for your time i am so grateful for you being here and for all of you listening thank you so much and we'll see you in the next episode thank you if you enjoyed today's episode please send it to a friend tag us on instagram at Thanks so much and we'll see you in the next episode.